This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. How would you react if you saw a dead body that after a year still looked like the person had died just yesterday? What about after five years? A hundred? This type of preservation called incorruptibility can happen. And while some consider it a holy miracle, science tells a different story. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we explore topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems, joined by... I'm Jessica Masami. I mean, maybe I'm joining you. (laughs) I like to think I'm joining you. We're joining each other. Joining forever. Forever. You you ready to talk about some... This is a crazy episode. Love this topic. I do. It's very interesting. Big shout out to Shannon Sassone, who wrote this episode for us, researched it. Thank you. I love when we send Shannon an episode and she's like, hell yeah, I'm so into this. It's the best because it's, it's, I feel like we're very uh, selective on like, which one, which one should we give to Shannon? You know? And well, sometimes I'm greedy because I'm like, I want to do this one. Oh, of course. Of course. (laughs) You know? And you obviously get first pick, of course. uh, But Shannon is just like, I I love that. Yeah. She's very much so so excited. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, incorruptibility. Let's buckle up, everyone. Let's get started. Let's get started. So yes, over Memorial Day weekend in 2023, car after car pulled into a makeshift parking lot at the Catholic Abbey of Our Lady Ephesus, just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. As many as 25,000 people visited the church. People came to see the Abbey and to see a miracle. They took pictures, they prayed, they bought snacks and water, probably those little pendant-shaped flags that's you know, that you wave at a baseball game. Volunteers gave away veils and skirts so guests could adhere to the church's strict dress code and made hand-painted signs that pointed the way to a single unearthed grave. The church had recently excavated the grave's occupant, the dead body of the almost perfectly preserved, incorruptible, waxy corpse of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster. So when alive, Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster was a spunky, devout Catholic nun known for her spitfire personality. She lived to a ripe 95 years old and died in 2016. She's like a Whoopi Goldberg from Sister Act type. There you go. You know, it's real spitfire. It was four years later in 2020 that her fellow sisters exhumed her And they originally intended to move Wilhelmina to a monastery chapel, which would serve as her final resting place. But when the nuns dug up her coffin, they saw nothing short of a miracle. There was a huge crack in the top of her wooden casket. And while this crack should have allowed bugs and water to get in, there was nothing but a thin layer of mold over the nun's body. And it looked like she had died just yesterday, let alone four years ago. Yeah, her eyelashes, hair... Nose, eyebrows, lips were all still very clearly intact, and some described her as looking like she was just sleeping. But before this all went down, cemetery personnel had told the nuns that, oh, when you open this casket, expect to find about 20 pounds worth of bones because we didn't embalm Wilhelmina. So that would mean that the decomposition of her body would be even more rapid. Yeah, but instead, the body actually weighed about 80 to 90 pounds. Her hands, however, did show the signs of death. They were leathery and dehydrated, but not fully decomposed. 
you know, it's not a great Wednesday when someone's talking about a dehydrated corpse and you're like, I'm we're almost the same. <laughs> we're almost <laughs> weighing the same here. dehydrated? Ah, yes. mine. That's how I feel almost every day. Bam. Everybody was like, this is a holy miracle. OK, all 90 pounds of her. <laughs> the church decided to put Wilhelmina on display at the Abbey for what's called veneration. That's when you pay great respects to an incorruptible corpse. People came far and wide on pilgrimage, which is when a group will take like a long journey to visit a holy site or a relic. Some visited multiple times and some just came out of pure curiosity. And spite. <laughs> How dare you look so good, so dead after four years. What's her, what, what is her secret? What's, yeah, I know. What is she using? <laughs> I need to go to the skincare addiction subreddit and look up Sister Wilhelmina. That Memorial Weekend, though, Jim and Georgia Nelson from Nebraska were on their third trip to the church. Georgia was having throat cancer surgery soon, and Jim wanted her to have one last blessing. Then later, the cancer turned out to be minor, and the Nelsons attributed this miracle to Sister Wilhelmina. Meanwhile, Bishop James Johnson of the diocese where the abbey is located told people that they should not touch the body or treat it as holy. Yeah, he was like, nope, I'm not buying it. Uh-huh. Uh, so, of course, people did the opposite. Thousands visited the church and they touched and they kissed and they prayed over this zombie nun <laughs> until last Memorial Day 2023 when they put her behind some glass for good. <laughs> they just put her behind <laughs> yeah, some glass. Okay. Get her behind the glass. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the excitement over Sister Willamia's undecayed body was not shared by her family. Rightfully, they were pretty pissed that the Catholic Church put her remains on display. And they probably don't like me saying, put her behind the glass. Or called her um, a zombie nun. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to everyone. Uh, turns out the family was not informed that Sister Wilhelmina was being exhumed to begin with. Um, you know, maybe you send a fax or a memo and say, mm -hmm. hey, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Didn't. And they only got to spend time with her remains after the church begrudgingly allowed them to do so. Now, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're new to the concept of incorruptibility, which I was, you might be a little bit hung up on the idea of someone's body not decomposing after being dead for years. And you're definitely not wrong to be. The whole concept is very unusual and morbid, and it does feel like there's something otherworldly at play. I learned about it when I was like probably around like 12 or 13. And, you know, I was into creepier stuff. And my mom, one of my mom's cousins, who I think was from Indiana, he was visiting, he was in town and he just started telling me about it. And then he gave me an, but he was also religious, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh yeah, th this thing happens and it means that they're saints. And I was like, I'm not interested in the saint part. I'm interested in the, like, you're telling me this body's not decomposing. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he had like a VHS that was kind of a documentary about it. Mm -hmm. Gave it to me. Didn't watch it. Because I was like, oh, this feels a little bit more, like, he, he I thought he was going to give me something that was a little bit more horror. This feels like it's got a religious slant to it. Oh. Um. So I was like, no. Yep. Um, but yeah, ever since then, I'm like, oh, what what an interesting, fascinating thing to happen. It is. And I like growing up in the Catholic Church, the church that I went to, obviously, like there were the, the Catholics obviously believe in the saints and there were the saints statues everywhere. And I just thought growing up that they were just holier than the average person and that they had special powers. Again, I was really? a child. I mean, really? Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they sell it. Right? Yes. And that when they died, they they all, all, every single one of them would just go to heaven and be angels. And that, and I did for a while think that their body went with them, 
because not that they were like a Jesus, like they're resurrected or anything, but that they just, yeah, that they didn't decompose, that they just went to a better place and they were just different from the rest of us. Yes. I think that different than the rest of us is definitely what we're sold about these pious people where the idea is, oh no, there was something about them in life that would have made them different than us other mortals, yeah. right? Yeah. That, to have a saint status. And that is, there are not, not every saint is deemed saintly or given sainthood because their body was incorruptible in death. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them, it's like a weird, we retroactively give it to you because we've seen this phenomenon happen. So weird. Just so fast. Because it's like, that's all you need to do to qualify is not to decompose. Well, I can't wait to. Right? Exactly. And I can't wait to get into this. Gosh, um, yeah. We need to keep your body as fresh as possible, Jess. Fresh as a flower. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But today we are getting to the bottom of what it means for a body to be incorruptible, how cases are investigated and granted status and the science behind it all. Yeah, and we have some cool stories about saints, trust me. But first, let's actually like lock in that definition. We glazed over it, but to be incorruptible is to be partially or fully intact after death. So meaning that the body is not naturally decomposing and that there's no sign of physical decay. So when it happens, it is considered a miracle. The body or body part, interesting, we'll get to that in a minute, becomes a relic, which is a sacred object associated with saints or martyrs. From a religious standpoint, incorruptibility is a sign of holiness because, you know, as we said, the religious types believe that there's some sort of divine intervention that has caused the body to avoid the normal decomposition process. Incorruptibility is is not all that common, but it is most often associated with sainthood. And the Catholic Church has to find you incorruptible The very first saint actually to be known as incorruptible was Saint Cecilia. She was a virgin martyr who was known for her music, and she died in 177 ACE. And while was married, she and her husband never actually consummated their marriage. And they killed her, they being, you know, the pagan, the government leadership that persecuted her uh, because she buried the bodies of her beheaded husband and his brother during a time of strict persecution of Christians by pagans. You know, you couldn't practice Christianity, but then she still performed these Christian-style burial rites and wouldn't renounce her religion, so they sentenced her to death. But the government didn't want to behead her. She was beautiful and well-off, so instead they locked her in a Roman vapor bath hoping that she would suffocate. (laughs) They're like, okay, (laughs) we don't want to behead her. All right, so just put her in the vapor bath because that's a much worse death, in my opinion. It's interesting. Yeah. So they put her in this bath, hoping she would suffocate, and oops, she didn't. (laughs) So then they sent the executioner to the bath to behead her in secret. Like, this all seems like optics to me, which Mm -hmm. I don't, like, if I'm a um, person living during this time, and I'm, it doesn't matter to me whether you behead her or you suffocate her in a bath. It's both inhumane, but they saw some weird optics thing about this. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He was also legally allowed three blows to do the deed in. Which is also bizarre, right? So yeah. he he tries to chop her head off three times, but she doesn't die by the third time. So he ran away, leaving Cecilia on the floor. <laughs> Skitters out of the yeah, bath. yeah. So he ra- he just ran away, leaving her on the floor of the bath, bleeding out with her head half severed, but still alive. And so Cecilia dying, she like rolls on her right side, and then she prays for three days and three nights. Um, which I'd be like knocking on that door, screaming, but 
to each their own. When she finally dies, her hands were still folded in prayer in this position. People found her body and wrapped it in fine silks, then placed her in a cypress coffin in the same pray hand position she died in down in the catacombs. Now, remember, she died in 177 after Common Era. So fast forward to 822 when Pope Pascal wanted to move her body to his church, but he couldn't find the body at first. Um, he said this whole thing about how like St. Cecilia came to him in a dream and told him where she was in the catacombs. And so they looked and maybe surprisingly, the body was exactly where he said it would be. That is pretty interesting, I yeah. will say. Um, but yeah, Pope Pascal put her body under the altar of his church where it sat for 777 years. And during a church renovation on October 20th, 1599, excavators found two white marble sarcophagi. When they opened the sarcophagus, the cypress coffin was perfectly preserved inside, and then they lifted the lid off of the casket, and the body of St. Cecilia was on her right side in the same position she died 1,500 years earlier. Crazy! Mm-hmm. And her body was clearly visible through the silk shroud, so was the very large neck wound and the dried blood on her clothing. Gosh, and this is over 700 years later. I know. And, you know, she's not a pile of dust, right? And so then the church named her the first incorruptible saint. Mm-hmm. This, that is kind of crazy, I will say. Mm-hmm. But It's bonkers. So why does this kind of preservation happen? Mostly, it's just nature. In the case of St. Cecilia, she was so well sealed that the body was not exposed to any elements that would kickstart decomposition. Yeah, I got that airtight seal for, for built-in freshness. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sounds like a yeah, commercial yes that's really like what it is bodies just get really well preserved if they're in an airtight container you know no bugs no oxygen no moisture the things that would make someone decompose are not con- like coming into contact with the body and I mean obviously there's other things that contain biomatter that we preserve in this way right so shouldn't it make sense that yeah Right? Yeah. Uh, no, theoretically. Yeah. Th- theoretically, yes. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of incorruptibility is absence of putrefaction. And the church higher-ups decided who qualifies. It's important to determine if the body has been buried naturally, meaning no embalming fluid. Mm-mm, the bo- embalming fluid is a no. So if you go to the skincare addiction subreddit and it's like, <laughs> what's your routine? <laughs> what are your products? And they're like, embalming fluid? No. Mm-mm. Church is not going to take it. Nope. Um A body can either be fully incorruptible or partially incorruptible, which means that only a part of the body is preserved, which I didn't know was a thing. Mm -hmm. Because like an incorruptible body doesn't always look like they just walked off the runway, (laughs) you know, or out of the (laughs) coffin like St. Cecilia does. Yeah. And if if it's just like a singular body part, organ or limb, there's usually some significance applied to why it was that specific body part. Yes. Like in the case of St. Anthony Padua which we will learn about right after a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. I love Factor, Jess, because I need two-minute meals which is what they offer us, okay? And I also want restaurant-quality meals. Yes! uh, That are ready when I am. Ready when you are. And the good thing is that they also have, like, snacks, smoothies, and more. You can literally have your entire day just, like, planned out. I've eaten an entire day of Factor before. Same! (laughs) 
Because it's just, you know, when you're busy and you don't have, you have 35 different options a week to choose from. 100%. Okay, keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie. And I don't like to have to do the mental work of choosing what I'm going to eat. And Factor is the solution for that, right? It really is. There's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals also are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking or cleanup needed. Yeah. And just flexible for my schedule. You know, you can... Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. You can pause, reschedule deliveries. It is perfect. It is. So head over to factormeals.com slash 30mm50 and use code 30mm50 to get 50% off. That's code 30mm50 at factormeals.com slash 30mm50 to get 50% off. Back to the show. We were just about to learn about St. Anthony's magic body part. <laughs> I wonder what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, he died in 1231 from Edema. Uh, he was especially known for his amazing singing voice and uh, spirited, you know, sermons. Apparently, he was also pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like I would yeah. be him if I was oh, a saint. Oh, yeah. I bet he had a lot of coffin furniture on his coffin. <laughs> Some pretty elaborate stuff. He was exhumed in 1263, uh, about 30 years after he died. His entire body had decomposed except for his tongue, which sparked speculation that God was like, what that tongue do? I want to <laughs> find out. So he preserved it forever. And... Uh, kind of gross and intriguing. It was allegedly wet when they found it. Elise, please. Elise. What? <laughs> that, I'm just, Jessica, no, this you're is right. the facts. These are the, the facts. You're right. These are the you facts. Know? Okay. Yes. Like, I can't, I don't know, man. Okay. Is he single though? Is he, right? <laughs> That's, I knew we were getting to that. Is he single? You know, I don't know. I guess he's a man of the cloth. So Ooh. maybe he's not interested, but anyway. Yeah, the bottom row of his teeth and the tongue are on display in a, in a basilica in northern Italy, if you want to see it. It is preserved in a gold-encrusted <laughs> bust of a head with the tongue and the jaw filling where the face would be. Man, I don't know if I'd travel to see a tongue. I was going to say, you can also like see it online, but like a picture. But like if yeah. you do want to see actually the tongue-tongue in person, you know where it is. Yeah, and like everything around the tongue is so much more elaborate than the tongue. <laughs> I mean, like it's gold. <laughs> I know. You You look at it and the least impressive thing, to, in my opinion, is the tongue. But who am I to say? So, yeah, there is this whole debate, though, over whether partial incorruptibility counts. OK, some people believe that the whole body has to be fully incorrupt, uh, including Pope Benedict XIV. He, he believed this. He did not like the whole partial thing. He was the pope in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And he didn't consider St. Anthony's tongue to be anything special. No. Uh, and to clarify, you know, an incorruptible body, as we said, it doesn't mean that you automatically become a saint. You know, it just ups your chances of sainthood. Yeah. When a person is up for sainthood or canonization, as it is also known, the church will exhume their remains as part of the process. That being said, there's not really an official church protocol for determining if someone is truly incorruptible. It is kind of subjective in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and a big focus is put on the state of putrefaction. The body will first be inspected by a medical examiner to make sure it hasn't been embalmed. Then it is sent to Rome for the inspection. Free trip to Rome. I mean, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. The body of Carlo Acutis was being considered for sainthood when the church had to walk back some of their excitement over his supposedly incorruptible body. 
I love that walk back out of the excitement. Carlo died at 15 years old in 2006 from leukemia, and he was super into the Eucharist and created a computer program for mapping all of the Eucharist miracles in the world. Yeah, so he was later canonized as the heavenly patron saint of youth and computer programmers. But before they canonized him, the church investigated his body and they found it was actually decaying. So yeah, they had to kind of rescind some of those initial claims. And at the opening of his tomb on October 1st, 2020, Archbishop Sorrento said, today we see him again in his mortal body, a body that has passed in the years of burial in Assisi through the normal process of decay. He is now on display in a glass case, dressed in blue jeans, a sweatshirt, and sneakers. And the Catholic Church seems to be super into how he is like a dead influence to the young. He does yeah. look, yeah, it's, it's strange um, mm. to me. He does look incorrupt, but that is because he's coated in a layer of wax, like the Madame Tussauds statue. The image is very now and very off-putting. It also looked like he died yesterday. Yeah, the wax that Jess mentioned, it gives the body this extremely lifelike quality. And while most incorruptibles are coated in wax for further preservation, like even if they weren't embalmed, once they've seen that they're not decomposing, they'll be like, we'll toss a layer of wax on there. Mm. Um, The incorruptible saint bodies are two, meaning there is a decaying body underneath. Yeah, the wax coating is also purely for aesthetic purposes. Like we mentioned, it is very easy for an incorruptible body to begin decaying. So in the case of Pope John XXIII, some of the people who, who ventured to view him were actually disappointed to see coated and waxed. He's a good example of when the church has been duped when it comes to incorruptibles who are later revealed to have been embalmed. Yeah, Pope John XXIII died on June 3rd, 1963, and 38 years later in 2001, he was exhumed for saintly investigation. He had been sealed in three different coffins, one made of lead, one made of oak, and one made of cypress. And when investigators pulled back the silk cloth covering his face— they found him perfectly intact. The Vatican reported, the Vatican report described that his eyes were closed, his mouth slightly open, and his features immediately bringing to mind the familiar face of the vulnerable pontiff. It was a miracle. Everybody was like, this is a miracle. We still got him. Mm-hmm. Except scientifically, the conditions of the three totally sealed coffins would have been ideal for preserving a body. Like they they had him in there like a Matryoshka doll, you know? He was <laughs> Yeah. All all wrapped up. No oxygen would have been able to get inside. Not too warm, not too cool, not too dry, not too wet. <laughs> it was the Goldilocks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Of burials. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. And when the church investigated further, they found that Pope John the 23rd had been secretly embalmed too. This is a scandal. Okay. okay. I mean, they lied. If this, if they, imagine if this was the only level of scandal the Catholic Church had to endure. I was like, the Catholic Church lying to me? No. What? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Hmm. Yeah. Well, a professor named Gennaro Goglia revealed that he had been picked up in a black car mere hours after the Pope died and was taken to a secret, secure location where the body was located. He didn't even tell his family where he was going. Where is this going? Man, this is like spy-level shit. It is. Uh, Goglia inserted a cocktail of ingredients into the Pope's veins, like he's flipping Bane from Batman. (laughs) The the mixture included ethyl alcohol, formalin, sodium sulfate, and potassium nitrate. It took about five or six hours. And about five liters were drip-fed into his wrist, and another five liters were injected via syringe into the stomach. The Pope had died from a terrible case of stomach cancer, and the, the mixture neutralized the putrefaction. 
Goglia was under strict orders not to take any blood out of the dead Pope's veins because if the holy blood was removed and fell into the wrong hands, it could end up being sold as a relic. Yeah, Goglia was quoted by Reuter saying, Finding myself there that night, having to do this job, which was, let's admit it, a bit macabre, I was torn between two conflicting emotions. I was honored to have been called to do this, but I also felt the weight of the responsibility. Yeah, the secret embalming of Pope John XXIII happened because the body of the previous Pope, Pope Pius XII, had been handled so poorly. Yeah, when Pius died in 1958, his body was preserved so poorly that the four men watching over it had to leave the room every 15 minutes because of the stench. Yeah, Pius was not in the incorruptible club, to say the least. <laughs> no, he's not. A, you can't join us. <laughs> you can't. You can't be buried here. <laughs> uh, when the Vatican investigated Pope John and realized he had been secretly embalmed, though, the church was still like, fuck it, put his body on display anyway. Yep. You know, which it's like, okay, you guys, you can't change the goalposts here. Yeah. Oh, is I mean, it or isn't it? Oh, you God. That's, I was going to say, that should just, that's just like their MO, the church's MO. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't, they'll put them on display for different reasons, right, Jess? Yeah. Incorruptibility isn't always the only reason somebody's body is put on display. If they're being considered for sainthood, they might get waxed up and rolled out <laughs> like a new car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pius, though, he was effectively mummified, as the technicians put it. Yeah, you can find a lot of images of incorruptibles uh, displayed in churches, and a lot of them look like they're taking a nap and will simply wake up at any moment. You just never know. Yeah, it's going to pop up. <laughs> uh, the glass case that Pope John was in was bulletproof and treated so that UV rays wouldn't even damage the body. And as you can probably assume, once the body is removed from the grave, the environmental changes are a risk to the corpse. I mean, they're, they're doing so much for these corpses. I don't even live this way. No way. No way. Yeah, with these kinds of protections. Uh Uh-uh. And sometimes, you know, far worse things can happen. Like in the case of St. Benedict the Moor, Benedict was considered a healer of the sick and worked at a monastery as a cook in the 1500s. At around 65 years old, he came down with a short illness and died, allegedly on the exact day at the exact hour that he predicted that he would. Then on May 7th, 1592, three years after his death, his body was exhumed and found to be totally preserved. Fast forward 19 years to 1611, the king of Spain paid to have St. Benedict's corpse encased in glass. It was still perfectly preserved, albeit a little dry, hard, and leathery. To the skincare subreddit. <laughs> I don't Here know. It's <laughs> just <laughs> my default. <laughs> Benedict's remains lay on display until August 1st, 2023, when a fire ignited the church he was in, incinerating them. Per the photo posted on the church's Facebook page, all that was left of Benedict was a small pile of ash and some bone fragments. It's, you know, sad to think about this body being preserved for that long, and then all it takes is like, a fire. I know. Just you know, it, it made it this far. I know. Um, yeah, but you know, I guess you're only incorruptible until you're corrupted. That's the, honestly, so. that's like, I feel like that sums up the whole episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think it's it's fascinating, and when we, you know, even if it's not a, a magical thing that happens because somebody is deemed holy, the fact that somebody is able to skirt the natural decomposition process mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. putrefaction and it is still a, a weird morbid curiosity of our world it really is like it, you can't help but think just like just kind of huh that's weird you know yeah. you just it's just yeah 
Yeah, and the, and the thing is, like, they specifically look into religious um, individuals or in people who have some kind of like martyrdom or they have some connection to religion. But this hap- can happen to regular people just if their body is preserved correctly. Exactly, exactly. And of course, you don't hear about that as much because, you know, the Catholic Church- Because they're not digging them up to check. They're, they're not. And yeah, and the Catholic Church wants everybody to also believe that these saints are yes. incorruptible too. And Yeah, you know. absolutely. But, well, I'm glad we finally- covered this one yeah long time coming no oh yeah it's fascinating to learn about yeah if you're new to the podcast check out our archive because we have so many great episodes we've done over the years that are evergreen you can listen to them at any time they won't feel out of date yeah i mean a good one especially i mean you're already listening to this episode now but we have episodes on decomposition um Mm -hmm. and what happens to the body and then the embalming process like go back and listen to those just to better understand yeah what you heard here too the exploding casket syndrome one, mm-hmm. I think, is a really good tie into this because we talk a lot about like how a body is sealed tight and airtight and preserved. Yep. But yeah, thank you all for for um, listening, for sharing, reviewing, and supporting 30 More Minutes. We very much appreciate it. And if you'd like to support us more directly, you can become a first member over at 30mm.show, where you'll get access to a bunch of like original content beyond just our podcast. We have like semi-regular Discord horror movie watch-alongs. We're going to be doing some live streams here soon. And just, just some like extra fun perks. And it again, it like supports me and Elise directly and our whole entire team. So really, really appreciate it. Again, that's 30mm.show. Yeah, it helps us to keep making the show. And um, also we got to, you know, hawk our merch here because I think we have really, really cute and spooky merch, (laughs) t-shirts, hoodies, and more over at store.roosterteeth.com. Yeah. And if you're looking for another podcast, you know, to tide you over, um, we have our, what we call our brother podcast over at Red Web with our friends, Trevor and Alfredo. They're great, awesome podcasts. They cover everything from like internet mysteries to true crime to supernatural phenomenons. Red Web, baby. Check it out. So yeah, um, I wanted to ask this question earlier, but I didn't want to derail us too much. But Elise, I have to know, what would be your one incorruptible body part? And and why is that the holiest part of you, Elise? Probably my feet. Oh, you know, as you know, I have a great wiki feet score. Oh, and they get me where I need to go. Do they get you They're... paid? <laughs> Don't get me paid just yet. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm working on it. Okay. What, do you, what, is, what is yours, Jess? Do you know? I would say my body hair. That's not a body part. Oh, um, people will definitely be studying that for generations. Yeah, I think, I I think so. I think like I'm Italian, you know, it just is what it is. And Gosh. I think... That's just really important. Uh, oh. And I think it's, I think God looks upon me and really <laughs> loves that. So God's like, somebody get this woman a razor. <laughs> My God. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, I made razors for a reason. <laughs> he's like, I'm God. I did I'm, this. Anyway. I'm God, yeah. I gave you hair, but I also gave you some instruments to take it away. No, I think you flaunted. I love it, Jess. Thank you so much. Thank I you. flaunt it. You know, uh, it's 2024. I used Come to on, shave God. my back. Okay. What? Yeah. I as a when I was in high school, I would shave my back. Okay. I there I are, said it. Wait, are you serious? Yes. Actually, if I'm if you want me to be hundred percent honest, and I don't care. I that don't. Any, <laughs> <laughs> Elise, I know you want to know this. If I'm being honest and I don't care that all of you hear it, you know, I'm I, I, this is the trust between uh, our wonderful listeners and me. Yeah, because I couldn't fully reach my back, I had my best friend at the time shave my back for me. 
there said it. It's the most vulnerable I've ever been. (laughs) Well, you know, there's like dermaplaning where people shave the peach fuzz off their face and stuff. Oh my God. I mean, I was, you're a gorgeous woman. This is, this is, uh, and I'm sure this will make other people who maybe do that feel more comfortable with themselves to hear you talk about it. Oh, for sure. And honestly, like we all have hair. It should not be whether you have lots of hair or not a lot of hair, it is natural. We are mammals yes. and animals. But um, yeah, it was just something now now I don't, you know, because I'm like, F you, everybody. It's a natural part of the body. But back then, yeah, you know, it was weird. Oh, yeah. It time. It's, it's a coin flip about whether anything on my body is getting shaved. It, is <laughs> it just absolute, depends on the day, the mood. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which way the wind is blowing. It's 2024. Who knew that this was going to be the creepiest part of this episode? Who knew? Yep. <laughs> it's creepy. Here. Yep. It's always great to end the show with a bad bye, but I think this time we need to end it with a back bye. Back bye, Jessica. Back bye, at least. <laughs> <laughs>